I'm Shannon. And I'm Mark. And this is Dirt Sailor Podcasting. So this week we've had a lot go on in news, across media, across different platforms, and a couple of the big things, uh, immigration, our border is being overrun, thousands upon thousands of people crossing the border. They haven't beefed up the border security. They stopped building walls. They started inviting people. And now we're surprised. Well, that's because this is a designed system we're setting up here. Don't know why. One of our representatives, um, we're not in Texas, we're in California, but one of our senators or congressmen from Texas wants to know why we have this current open border policy as well. Yeah, the open border policy would be counter to our actual immigration laws. Uh, A lot of what we hear are um, people throwing out leaders and different political figures throwing out that, oh, they're just here to claim asylum and it's unlawful to turn them back or it's unlawful not to allow them all to come in because they're all seeking asylum. Well, a lot of times when they describe the type of asylum they're seeking, they're not seeking true political asylum, true asylum based on our laws. They are actually economic migrants. I don't have a negative opinion of being an economic migrant, but we don't have a manner in which these individuals can lawfully obtain their status and come in to the United States through the border as an economic migrant. So that begs the question then, why are we doing it? It's all political. It looks like uh, future voters. Oh, if we let this person in, they'll remember who scratched their back in their time of need and... They'll vote that way. So that would mean then that somebody's going to have to help them vote because if they don't speak English, they don't understand our politics, what are they then voting for? So one of the things that is of note, you have to be a United States citizen to vote in order to become a United States citizen unless you have a medical exemption or you're 50 years of age and have been in the U.S. 20 years with lawful status 55 and have been in the U.S. 15 years with lawful status, you actually are required to learn English and pass an English examination to become a United States citizen. I think I watched that once of somebody that was becoming a U.S. citizen and had an issue with uh, swearing in because he or she, I don't remember the, the nationality or the language, but they could not speak English and they had months and months and months to practice. So they actually have years to practice, and so what um, Mark is referring to is I was leading a naturalization ceremony, and he was there as a guest. I led the whole naturalization ceremony, and there's a point where you go to swear in as a United States citizen. You have to raise your right hand, and you're told, please raise your right hand, and then repeat the oath of allegiance after, in that case, it was me, after me. And as I said, raise your right hand and repeat the oath of allegiance. And I started saying the oath of allegiance and the crowd, if you will, the 40 to 50 people that were there started repeating back the oath of allegiance. This one individual could not understand a thing. She was not raising her right hand. She was not moving her lips along with the attempt to say Um, The oath of allegiance, she was just standing there and staring straight ahead. And so we had to pull her off to the side, finish the naturalization ceremony, and then check into her case. Because if she had a medical exemption for the reason she couldn't learn English, she would have been entitled to a waiver 
of the oath of allegiance in the English language, she could have been given it in her home language. Um, her immigration file was checked. She did not have a waiver for the English language. But that was one of the proudest moments of uh, this dad's life was to watch my daughter perform her job and how incredible it was. And in uh, my mind, in my eyes, how much power she actually had to perform that ceremony. And I don't know if power is a proper term, but it was uh, pretty phenomenal watching uh, new U.S. citizens swear in, mm -hmm. people that had been wanting to do this for years and years. And actually, they waited in line. They completed the entire process. They didn't jump a fence. They didn't come under the fence. They didn't come by boat. They actually came here legally and became U.S. citizens. It was pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. And just uh, for those listening, part of the reason why people can't just get in line is that for some people, there is no line to get into. So there's no line to actually get into. There is a manner for some people to lawfully immigrate to the United States, but there's not a manner for every single person to immigrate. If you don't have a family member in the United States that can sponsor you to come, which there are specific family members and specific types of relationships that will allow sponsorship. There's some work-related sponsorships. There's, there's a few different avenues, but there isn't an avenue for everybody so somebody who's an economic migrant, they're coming to the United States because they want to build a better future. Maybe they can't get a job in their, their home country or their home country's in turmoil. They will attempt to come to the United States so they can get a job and start sending money back home for the family members that are still there. A lot of times they feel that they will get amnesty at some point because that has happened throughout our immigration history. In the 1980s, it happened under under Ronald Reagan. There were certain people that it happened to in the 90s under Clinton. And then uh, we had a sunset date. The last one that we had was actually April 30th, 2001. So that ended under a few months into President Bush's term, but it started um, with President Clinton. And so that was the last one. But that, you still had to have a family member or certain work requirements in order to get amnesty. So it wasn't just a blanket for everyone to get it. So do we have reciprocal agreements with some of these other countries to where if U.S. citizens want to become dual citizens of their country and ours, they can do that? Typically, no. You have to have a legal avenue in, in whatever country it is that you want to have status in. Now, if you're talking about the person who comes here, if they obtain U.S. citizenship, some countries do recognize dual citizenship. So if you come from another country and then you become a U.S. citizen, in some cases you can keep your prior nationality slash citizenship. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It'd be pretty cool to have dual citizenship, especially if you went and worked in Australia for a while or New Zealand where you could become a citizen there and maintain your citizenship here in the U.S. But I guess you'd have to rescind your U.S. citizenship and pledge 100% allegiance to the country you'd like to move to, yes? Not every country. Okay. Uh, it just depends on if they have a reciprocal uh, agreement in that they both recognize the citizenship of the other country. That's when you can become a dual citizen. They both have to recognize it. Maybe that's why we're trying to go towards this one world order. So there is no countries. There are no borders. We are just citizens of the world. Yeah, definitely don't need to be a citizen of the world. There's a reason why 
uh, certain countries, their passport will only get them into so many other countries is because they're not the best uh, either with the type of documents that they allow to get a passport with. You can easily fake who you are, fake your documents, and then get a passport from that country. So you actually can't travel to every country with certain passports. There's like the gold standard where some countries recognize the most amount of countries and being able to get to and from those countries. And then there's other ones, say, Yemeni passport has a lot of limitations because other people won't let you into their country just with the passport. Are there some countries that uh, you don't even have birth certificates, so some of the people don't even know when they were born? There are many countries that are that way. Or there's like a universal birthday. If you were born in the first half of the year, you're January 1st of that year. If you were born in the second half of the year, you're July 1st of that year. Um, There are some who, for instance, Somalia, they have, uh, they're in the early 90s, their country was toppled, their leadership was toppled, and it's now run by, I don't know, warlords, if you want to call them that. And they issue their own documents, but they are not documents that are recognized by the United States because you just have to pay somebody off to get you whatever document you want. There's no universal standard for that country. So if you come with a birth certificate from that country and you were born after the date that the the country's leadership was toppled, it's very suspect that you were able to get that. So they're ordering their documents on Amazon. And in Yemen, all you do is you go to a judge. You have two people who will swear that you are who you say you are and you were born when you said you were born and how they know that information. And then the judge will certify it in a record. And so it could be Mark and Shannon said Joe Schmo was born and they all agree that it was January 2nd, 2013. And this is the mom, this is the dad, the judge a lot of the judges there say it's not their job to authenticate the information. It's just their job to record the information. So you can get a birth certificate to change who your mom is, who your dad is. You just swear it. (laughs) Yeah. You just swear it in front of a judge and a judge will write it down. Um, So there's a, there's a lot of other countries that do things like that. Let's talk about immigration in our Southern border, especially the Texas area. So have we figured out yet how all those Haitians were able to make it from Haiti to Texas? Did they fly? Did they take a boat? Did they drive? It's unclear at this point. I'm sure that they do know how they were getting there. But at this point, I have not read that they know exactly. I think there was at least 10,000 of them how they got to the southern border. But it is... It's been happening for years. This is not the first time it's happened. There's just a particularly, uh, there's a lot of them this time. And so now it's become very apparent that there was some assistance in getting there. But anyone who is from a country that is not connected to North or South America, because you can walk and cross the, you know, and take transportation from South America up to North America If you come from a country that is not connected to North or South America, you are looked at with scrutiny. How did you get to the country that you got to to get up to Mexico if you didn't go straight to Mexico? Because some, what they'll do is they'll go to another country, hide out there for a little while. They'll pay uh, coyotes. 
They'll pay coyotes to bring them up. A lot of times it's a U.S. family that wires the money um, or however the, the person is asking for it. It's not necessarily wired. Um, they get the money to the coyote and then the coyote sends for them and sometimes it's getting them documents. I have seen across the southern border where people are finding document after document after document just strewn about because as people are trying to run from the border patrol they'll start chucking all their stuff that may identify them as somebody else Uh, and part of the reason for doing that if you have say an identity document that looks authentic and it says you're from China but you're not actually from China but you have a document that says you're from China you want to say you're from the closest country to try and get back and do it again. You don't want to be sent home to that faraway home country. So if you have a document that puts you farther away than you want to be, then you usually chuck it. And then you try to claim that you're from Mexico because that's the closest place that you can try right away again. You can just go back to the border and try to cross again. It's just interesting that... um led to believe that Mexico has some of the strictest immigration laws in the entire world. And it's surprising that they're not stopping people at their southern border, nor are they immediately deporting all these people that are on our side of the border by the thousands. Yeah, there's a lot of people that end up coming through the southern border from India, from Pakistan, Afghanistan, a variety of countries. And they will get smuggled into those countries and then go up to Mexico and then try to uh, illegally cross the border. Well, it's amazing that they all think of this as the greatest country in the world and they're just beating each other up to try to get in here and line jump and those sort of things. Yet people that are lifetime citizens like us look at the politics, the taxes, the dirty air, the dirty water, the terrible roads, and we're going out of our way to try to find a new spot to live that's as good or better than the U.S. It just blows my mind. There are a lot of countries that definitely are worse off, I would say, in the United States. We do have our problems. We are not a perfect country uh, by any measure, but we do have a lot of good qualities. And a lot of times our qualities are good enough or so good that people have to look for slights, look for what's wrong, look to be offended, all of that. They they can't not be offended. So you said the wrong pronoun. How dare you say the wrong pronoun? But somebody else is worried about whether or not they're going to have a meal, whether or not they're going to uh, get taken out by a fellow countryman. Right. They, they have real problems. And here we're, we're looking at different ways we can take offense. Well, that's why I think that the, the citizen, the human condition is is really good here in America it's these politicians that take us and they divide us up into little sectors and little groups. And I believe they're the ones that bring the hate out in us. And they're uh, doing a great job of busting this society up. They are. And, and speaking to hate, if as long as we're looking at each other and finding a reason to hate each other, we'll forget that they exist or forget to look in depth into anything that they say because we're so busy hating each other because it must be true that this Democrat said this about this Republican or this Republican said this about this Democrat. Let's just go and hate each other some more. Well, I think we need to do a total reset on this, go back to some type of term limits, get these guys out of office earlier, and just make some drastic changes here in the country. Yeah, and we have 
people who have attempted to do term limits and the people that have to approve the term limits are the ones that would be limited, so they are not going for it. Yeah, very sad, sad but true. And I guess that is uh, a representative republic breaks down after about 300 years, and I think it's time that uh, we're going to have to do a total reset. I don't know what that reset entails, but it's going to happen at some point in time. Yeah. Well, to continue on with... I guess right now we're looking at not just a reset, but we're looking at what's our next level of hate. And we hate millionaires and billionaires. And we have even um, Bernie Sanders. He started his campaign for president in 2014. He railed against millionaires and billionaires for two years and just said how terrible they are. They don't pay their fair share. That was always the thing. There was never how much a fair share was, just they need to pay their fair share. And so he railed against millionaires and billionaires. You can listen to his speeches. Millionaires and billionaires need to pay their fair share. So he doesn't get elected. Four years later, he's running again. But now he's a millionaire. Now he has sold his book, made millions. I believe he has three properties now. He is a multimillionaire. And now if you listen, well, just before in the 2020 election, if you listen to his speeches, he was no longer saying millionaires he was only saying billionaires need to pay their fair share because he became a part of the millionaire class and thought he was most definitely paying enough well that's what socialists do i can have it you can't well it's not just well it's not just people who claim to be socialists either these days so an article just posted on biden he's being looked into and he demands, he's also demanding that millionaires and billionaires pay their fair share in taxes. Apparently, they've looked at his tax returns and the fun finagling that he was doing. He may owe up to $500,000 in back taxes because he was trying to circumvent paying the extra Obamacare fee and other federal taxes that are in wages. So he was trying to claim non wages instead of claiming wages so the money can be 1099 or it could be a w-2 and then normally you'd have to pay your your share of fica and obamacare if you make above a certain amount and he instead did it the the fun loophole way to not have to pay those taxes i mean kind of like john Kerry did when he tried buying a boat and then moving it to a county that doesn't have property taxes so he could get away from paying 100000 or whatever the dollar amount was on his new yacht. Just like that. So it was uh, $13 million through an S corporation and counted less than 800000 in salary eligible for the Medicare tax. So it exempted him and her technically the rest of the 3.8% rate that they would have had to pay on that money. It's amazing how corrupt these people are and we keep putting them into positions of power when it should be just the opposite. They should be castigated out of society and pushed off for being the criminal element that they are. Absolutely. They do need to be pushed out of society and we need to also allow our eyes to be open 
to all who are doing this, not just your side is bad and my side is good. Anyone who's doing it needs to be pushed out. We don't need to have extra restraints put on the everyday citizen who's not doing this. Biden's latest proposal, I believe in the $3.5 trillion tax bill that they want to get passed through Congress that we've talked about uh, a couple times. Um, in that bill, Biden wants to have anyone making transactions of more than $600 reported to the IRS every single time you do it. That is almost everyone. That's a paycheck. Cashing your paycheck and moving it out of your bank account for your rent, you're moving $600 at a time, you are going to be reported to the IRS We're being told that millionaires and billionaires need to pay their fair share, get audited more, get looked at, all of that good stuff. But now they're going to put it on people moving $600. Does that sound like millionaires and billionaires? Nope. That sounds like the common person just like us, which reminds me that they're talking about in that transportation bill, obviously going back retroactively to all of the tax cuts that Trump had put in place and taking the money back and spinning that into more taxes and less benefit. And it will never be enough. There is never enough taxes. It will never be enough. Whatever amount that they're asking for, they can get everything that they ask for. They can tax people and get every single penny that they ask for, and it will never be enough. They will always look for ways to line their own pockets because Nancy Pelosi's husband gets contracts with the federal government or knows who's moving what, when, where, why, and how so he can get the right bid or put in the right stock at the right time. Oh, but then claim that he and Nancy do not talk about anything that's coming in the future. Luckiest man on earth. He is. Okay, so let's jump back into the immigration thing for a minute. Are you anti-immigration? No, since I'm from a family of immigrants. Okay, so I would say that for me, I am also not anti-immigration. I am the third generation born in the United States. Family came over in the 1920s. And we have been farmers. I am the first one in my family not to work a field. So I feel truly blessed by the education that was given to me and the push for my parents to continue my education. Not that that would make me any more or less of a farmer or whether or not I could be a farmer. I just found that I did not have a knack for it. I, I I can't keep a plant alive to save my life. So I do rely on other people for my food. You're just like your mother. <laughs> um, but I, I do believe in immigration. I do believe in legal immigration. And I do believe that we need to overhaul our immigration laws. Our laws touch on so many different viewpoints depending on when they were passed and trying to piece together everyone's requirement at any given time, depending on when they came over, how they came over, which Congress passed which laws at which time they could be affected um, in that way. So I do believe that we need to work on having a lawful path for people to legally immigrate so we can create visas for economic migrants. I am not opposed to that. We can also... um, look at where we have 
negative impacts, work on that. Where we have positive impacts, let's widen that. Um, but just to say hands down, let's let everyone who's you know unlawfully crossing the border with no real claim for asylum, which is the majority of people crossing our southern border, they do not have a lawful claim for asylum. We should have a system where we do return them because there have been people waiting for decades to come into the into the U.S. lawfully. Brother-sister cases from the Philippines, you're waiting decades before you can actually come. We can also work on that and maybe have more visa availability for them, but we should not be allowing people who decide to unlawfully come step in front of people who have been trying to lawfully come. Well, it's interesting, though, because we're asking the very people that created this problem to rewrite laws and fix the problem. So, they, so who, do you, who do you have rewrite the laws? There, there has to be a mechanism to fix this correct, but the mechanism has to not be with the people that created the laws in the first place because congressmen, senators, these politicians create the problem and then they tell you they're the only one that can fix it. That is true. They like to make you believe that not only, well, they like to make you believe that they didn't create the problem, but the other side created the problem. So now you have somebody to hate and then you need to vote for them and allow them to do their thing because you'll love them for fixing the problem. They'll all claim that I can fix the problem that the other side created, even though they were all a part of it. Our laws from the Clinton era with Clinton and a Democrat Congress, Democrat House and Senate, um, they passed laws that now we have problems with and we're trying to fix. And somebody may have been eligible. We even have cases where somebody could have been eligible 40 years ago, but it wasn't, you know, uh, they didn't know what they didn't know. So they didn't know how to apply for the benefit. So I hear a lot that they bring people in uh, immigration-wise based on race. Is that true? Color of their skin? So not necessarily the color of their skin. We have limitations from certain countries. And the reason for that is they take up the bulk of the visas in certain categories. So they are given a certain percentage so they can have so many visas up to a certain percentage of the overall visas from that country. So that way we don't get an influx from one country that will just um, upend what we have in the United States because you have to, we could end up with a lot of Indians from India wanting to come in at the same time. So that could push out people from, say, Germany or people from uh, Taiwan, people from Japan. And we have a lot of Chinese immigrants that want to come, so they also have certain limitations. But So in order to make it fair to all of the rest of the countries, there are limitations put on some of the visas as country caps. So if you are a citizen of that country, you were born in that country, you can end up having a cap and have to wait longer than, say, somebody else who doesn't have quite so many people coming from that country. Is that why people from the Philippines have to wait the longest? Yes, we have the highest level of family immigration, Philippines, India, China, um, so certain countries end up with the caps, Mexico also, so they end up with caps, so we have also a diversity visa, lotto, but in order to qualify for the diversity visa, you can't be from the high 
immigration countries. So a person from Mexico, China, India, they cannot apply for a diversity visa because we're looking at diversifying from other countries who don't have as many people applying. I wonder how it would work. I've always thought maybe we should uh, have Mexico reinforce their southern border. Then we should take the walls down between the two countries and just make all of their states part of our state. So instead of 50 states, if Mexico has 30 states and we'd be an 80-state country, try to work the logistics of that out and just become one. Well, with our the other states and countries or territories that this has happened with, they would have to make that decision. We wouldn't want to go conquer another country. No, no, I wouldn't want to take it by force, but I bet you if everyone in Mexico loves America so much or a majority of their populace does, they would all be probably very happy to all become one state or one country. I think that could go either way. There are people who are proud of their heritage and would want to keep it separate. Right. So we need to have a uh, programmer or a computer guru come up with some software that you can input all this data and see what kind of computer modeling comes out. That'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah. I'm sure they do that back in Washington, D.C. They do, and they do not do a very good job of it. That's for sure. So one of the things that just happened with the $3.5 trillion infrastructure bill is they had a pathway to citizenship in for some people who were not lawfully residing here. Uh, But the immigration bill failed to make it in because the person who looks over what is lawful and putting in bills when they try to reconcile found that the immigration portion did not meet the requirements for inclusion because of the manner in which they're trying to get the bill passed. So legal versus illegal? Yep, they tried and they failed, and some people are saying, do it anyway, they're wrong. So I was watching a little short clip about um, AOC and a bill that was signed or a vote that was taken to give money to Israel this week. Okay. To um, refortify, I think it's at Iron Dome, which is their missile defense system. And she cried on the House floor. You know, I actually missed that this yeah. week. Yeah. I don't know why she cried if she was crying that she didn't want to give the money to Israel or she was crying with happiness that uh, a lot of their women and children won't die from missile attacks now because they can refortify the Iron Dome system. Yeah, I, I do know in the past that they've, AOC and others similarly minded have said that it's not fair that Israel puts up a defense because they are so much stronger than the people, Hamas, people trying to uh, bomb their country. Well, they're so much stronger because they have better weapon systems. Yeah, well, and they say that how. Well, when they say, oh, they need food and they're starving women and children and we give a terrorist organization, Hamas, money so they can feed women and children like they claim and give medicines to women and children like they claim and, oh, they buy more missiles. Yeah, surprise, I believe surprise. It's, I believe it's to the tune of around 500 million U.S. annually we give to them. And that's just us. That's one country. That doesn't include... You know, France and England, Germany. Well, Iran gives them And Iran, a lot. I'm sure, gives them a lot as well. Because they want to wipe Israel off the map. Yeah, they need to be woke. 
over there so they can understand that they can live in harmony as well. So uh, talking about missiles, but shifting to Afghanistan. So in the, the waning days and the pullout from Afghanistan that obviously went terribly wrong, they... It was perfect. Just ask Biden. Yeah, it, it wasn't his fault, man. Come on, man. Um, they, after we lost 13 service members to the suicide bomber, the Biden administration came out and said, we just did a drone strike. We got the guy who coordinated the attack. We got him. Yay. But we did not hear the name of who it was. And people asked, who was it? So if you know you got him, you know his name. So who was it? And how did it go down? And they weren't sharing the details of who it was. So come to find out, they killed seven children and no one who planned the suicide bombing. In fact, it was someone who had helped us. And it's unfortunate, and I don't know where that particular drone <laughs> operator was operating out of, but just think how bad he feels because he was given an order to execute. He executed the order, and unfortunately, it's the uh, collateral damage of war as it uh, killed some children. Yes, it did. So it is very sad, but it comes stands to reason why we didn't get told who it was, because it was the wrong person. Absolutely. Going on to um, another issue that has come up lately. So we talk about appropriating money for Israel, whether to reinforce their Iron Dome, or appropriating money for the infrastructure bill, $3.5 trillion, or all of these different bills, all of these things that are coming out. And something that is on the table is raising the debt ceiling again. Because it's been suspended for the last two years. What is the debt ceiling and what does that mean? <laughs> so it's how much money that we can spend that we don't actually have or take in. We're spending debt and we say, okay, we can only have this much debt. And then we overspend, we get to that ceiling. And then Congress goes again and says, oh, we need, we need even more money. We have to go further and further into debt for all of this other stuff that we need. So they raise the debt ceiling again. And this happens every couple of years. Let's raise the debt ceiling, raise it again, raise it again. They know how much money we're taking in. It is not a surprise to them. They know how much money we're spending. It's not a surprise to them. But they have all of these pork spending projects that they want to do. If it was a true infrastructure bill, we wouldn't be trying to shuffle immigration into there. We would have a standalone immigration bill, which we should. We should be discussing this, and we should be fortifying our immigration laws. Um, but instead, they just, every couple of years, start to argue about how much money we're spending into debt, how much further into debt we're going, and then what that will mean. So Biden has actually warned that we are facing defaults on some of the U.S. Uh, loans that are out there. We are going to default because we are spending ourselves into such debt that we will not have the money to pay our bills. So one of the things that I was thinking about was things that are happening with China currently, kind of an adversarial thing um, that we have going on. I think that we should pull a page out of China's book and we should default on all of the debt of ours that China owns. We should then move our manufacturing here, stop relying on China. We see how much it's hurt us during this pandemic with empty shelves because we can't get products from China into the United States. We're actually finding that they are making 
masks that don't work, that are faulty, including fraudulent N95 masks or just not delivering. Other things that we're ordering, they're not delivering. And so we should stop relying on them and also stop paying our debt to them because they did that to everyone, I think, in the 70s or 80s. They just defaulted and started over. So we should do that too. I believe a guy who meddles in our elections by the name of George Soros, he's done the same thing by defaulting and bankrupting whole countries and profiting from it. I agree with you 100%. We should take that debt and say, sorry, guys, we're just not going to pay you back. You need to, in writing, tell us that you're not going to invade Taiwan. You're done building your military up. You're done with nukes. Or we're just going to default on the money and we're not going to give you a dime. And that sounds incredibly awesome. That would be one way out of our problem. But another way is we got to have a Congress that actually does their job, which we don't have a Congress that does their job. We don't need these spending bills that, oh, we have to avoid a government shutdown. They know when the budget is due. They know it doesn't change. They always know, but here we are, debt ceiling raised and these little budget bills so they can act like everything's a crisis when it comes up and I'm your savior. Yes, what did we say 10 minutes ago? They think that they have the solution to the problems that they create. Should be a line-by-line item that I've heard congressmen and senators talk about in the past. You shouldn't be able to commingle stuff in bills that are for transportation. I think they call that pork. All of the pork that goes with it, yes, because even after Katrina, oh, we need $20 million for New York in this rich area. So then Senator Hillary Clinton procured some of the Katrina money instead of giving it all to those who actually needed it. We put in so much pork. And they still have not shored up all those levees there and fixed all the problems in Louisiana. And we have billions. We have billions that we have given, but instead of it actually going to the problem, they all put in their little piece that they want, and then they pay each other off. Okay, I'll vote yes if you give this much money to my city or this much money to my state or, you know, area, because it's usually made up of more than one city if they're in the house. But we are not doing ourselves good by continuing to allow these people to do whatever they want and acting like they're the solution. We are also the problem ourselves if we are acting like they are the solution in this current setup that we have. Well, we are the problem if we're a representative republic and we can vote them in and out of office and we keep voting the same people in office. I think Pelosi's been in, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten terms. I don't know. She's about 104. So she's been in Congress a long time. And that young woman should have been voted out when she was a young woman because she's done nothing. Well, let me back up. She's done everything for her constituents. Because that's what she's there to do. She's done nothing for the rest of the country but hurt us. Just like Biden and all these others that are lifetime people in D.C., they should have been knocked out after one or two terms. Hey, term limits, what a novel concept. Yeah, and now we have Biden who's blaming everybody else for his problems. Saki who blames everybody else for Biden's problem. When Boris Johnson at their little media event tried to take questions from the media it was shut down by biden and biden's people biden's like you can take it if you want he will not take questions we had a media that just vilified trump 
when he didn't take questions in, I think it was November of 2017, he was in China, they were doing their little thing, and Trump decided not to take questions at that time, and there was NBC News, Trump breaks with tradition, doesn't take questions, after Biden has refused over and over and over again not to take questions, no major news articles, no major news stories about it. Oh, he's still the most transparent president there is. No, he is not. He is the most corrupt president we've had in recent history. And I hope that his son Hunter Biden's laptop with all his emails actually get vetted and we're able to find out exactly how corrupt these guys really are. Because you don't take a man that's been in office for 40 years making a salary of, I don't know, 140 to 180000 a year. Now he's at $400,000 yeah. a year. And he's a multimillionaire, and he has not collected a whole year's salary yet because he's only been in office about eight months. So um, we need to dive into that man, and if he's bad, he's bad. We need to remove him from office. Saw a quick uh, news blurb on uh, Facebook yesterday that three Republicans have sent up articles of impeachment for Mr. Biden, and that'll probably go nowhere. There needs to be a mechanism built into our system that people that actually have skin in the game, the American citizens, not just by voting, but have another mechanism with which we can remove a sitting president from office earlier than his four-year term. Definitely agreed. They hold each other unaccountable because they know that if they hold someone else to account, they'll be held to account for what they've also done. Let me add to that, because I believe, I want to go back to Mr. Fauci, who we haven't talked about at all today, but I believe that's why only two senators out of 500 people that are back in D.C. are raising red flags about this man, because I think it goes deeper than just him and the people that work for him in his organization. I think some of these senators and congressmen knew full well what was going on and if they dive into this a lot deeper, they're going to find out that a lot of these guys are right in the middle of this thing. And as you pointed out before, what they are accusing you of is usually what they are doing themselves. So a- absolutely. If you go back into Trump, when he was president, they accused him of doing all kinds of things. And it turned out the vast majority of what they accused him of was untruthful It's been proven to be untruthful, but hey, he's not a president, so we don't care. We got our way. They don't care. Biden has been corrupt for years. He has jet-setted with his son on Air Force Two and brokered deals while dad was in the country with him, and we're supposed to believe that he just has this amazing power and his dad didn't know anything about his ability to negotiate deals behind, you know, behind the scenes. Like, oh, hey, dad, I'm just going to go with you to China and then I'm going to go off over here while you're working and make these multi-million dollar deals when I have no skill set that would allow that to happen. Well, he got a lot of bang for his buck when he went and got his college degree. What an intellect, man. He can make all kinds of money, and all he has to do is look at people and smile. Apparently, that is all that is required. Hey, let's talk about, I think her name's Tulsi Gabbard? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. Former representative. Former representative of Hawaii, former presidential candidate, U.S. Army officer, current. She just got back from, I believe, North Africa. She's gone on on a deployment. Several tours. I've seen her the last two days on a couple of news outlets. I've listened to her speak, 
and I think she's more of a of an independent thinker or Republican than she is a Democrat, or her eyes are finally open to the fact that some of these socialist Democrats do not care about America. They do not care about the American people or the American condition. All they care about is padding their bank accounts, living the life of Riley, and acting like they're much better than everyone else here in the world. Well, I think if she had ran as a Republican in Hawaii, she likely would not have gotten elected. So it it's understandable that she would run as a Democrat. And I do think that she does have some Democrat leanings, but she is just not so far left to be in the the new Democrat ways, the socialist Democrat. The That's true. She sounds more like the old centrist Democrats, like my parents were uh, centrist to moderate Democrats. Because believe it or not, even though I'm a registered Republican now, I grew up in a Democratic household and believed what my parents believed until I turned about 17, 18, and my eyes were opened up to this whole world. When I went in the Navy and Ronald Reagan was my president, and I got to see a real leader in action. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, I uh, was a post-9-11 vet. I joined in 2004. So my person, my leader, was Bush. Yeah. Another one, He was. he's more of a, not a rhino, but he's a little bit uh, left of center, I think. He, he definitely falls left of center. Yeah. I would say that he is more left of center than an actual well almost a republican of old where you would have the the left of center republicans you can be socially you know different from you are from what you are fiscally so like me i'm typically fiscally conservative and socially more moderate so he just had more tendencies on on being socially more moderate. Well, if I would have been young enough at the time, I still would have went back into military under his leadership, and I still would have given my life for my country and for my president. I believe that much in him. The only thing that used to drive me absolutely nuts about the man was he would let these Democrats just pummel him because he felt it was beneath the office of the presidency to actually lower himself down to their level. But I think it cost him a lot in the end, and I think if he would have fought back a little bit more, um, even though he's gone down as a pretty darn good president, I think he would have went down as a much better one. I would have to agree with that. He definitely didn't stand up for himself enough. And that takes me into a couple of the presidential libraries. I want to kind of swing gears a little bit. Uh, Pre-COVID, my wife, who's a big Groupon shopper, bought a Groupon for presidential libraries here in the U.S. I think we were entitled to go three, see six or seven of them. And we made it to the Nixon Library and the Reagan Library. And even though Nixon had his issues, and there was a lot of stuff going on back in the late 60s, early 70s, he was quite a unique human being. And I think that had not happened to him what happened, I think he would have went down as one of the greatest presidents to ever um, hold the office of president. Reagan's library was phenomenal, though. Air Force One was cool. The helicopters were cool. Um, it was just a well-put-together library, and his history from his upbringing um, was pretty incredible to go see. Yeah, they have a great audio tour there. Yeah, but unfortunately, because of the COVID hitting, uh, we didn't make it to the rest of the libraries, and hopefully as soon as this thing lifts and we don't have to mask up every time we go into a building, um, we'll be able to get another group on for the other five libraries to go check them out. That would definitely be a, a good adventure. That would be a great adventure. 
So local politics, um, I think our congressman is running for office again here pretty soon, Devin Nunes. He runs every two years since he's in the yeah. House. And I hope that uh, he wins pretty handily if he is running again here pretty quick. Very smart man. I've learned a lot listening to him and watching him. And when he's on our local radio broadcaster show, uh, Mr. Appleton, uh, it's pretty uh, pretty insightful to listen to him and, and understand from a farmer's perspective and then going back to D.C., just how difficult things are back there and how when you're on the right side of the law and the right side of history, um, one side of the aisle seems to put a big target right in the middle of your back and they are hell-bent to go out of their way to destroy you even when you're one of the most wholesome men that's ever gone back there and served in office. And what's funny is some of these individuals who end up with targets on their back for one reason or another, a false news story will come out and then calls will be made for them to resign because of how terrible the news story is. There is one particular uh, congressman out of Florida where some pretty pretty bad stories came out about him procuring minors and possible sex trafficking, different things. And he said, I have been blackmailed. There is somebody blackmailing me and people on the left were saying, no, nobody's blackmailing you. You just need to resign. This is all true. Well, they finally, FBI did their thing. I'm not sure who else was involved with it, but they found that he was, in fact, being blackmailed with fabricated evidence, and those news stories were false. Yeah, it's amazing that he was one of the congressmen that backed Mr. Trump 100%. Therefore, it it put an extra large target on his back, and he did not buckle, which is a good thing, especially if you have the law and you have righteousness on your side, or you know that you didn't do these things. You just have to wait until... um, Everything's vetted out, and you will be found innocent. And I, I will have to say it takes a special kind of person to do that because if that was what I faced every day or potentially every day, every week, people trying to tear me down with false news stories and just putting all of this stuff out about your life that doesn't really exist, I think I, there would be a point where I would call it quits. 99.999% of the people buckle. It just takes time. They'll just convince you that you're misremembering. Just keep keep thinking, keep remembering. You're just misremembering. Your mind is off out in space there. Once you do remember, you'll realize that you are the one that did in fact do that. And I just listened to a podcast yesterday, which I think is an old one, but it was about a young lady who I think went to Italy to go to school and her friend that was either sharing an apartment or room was murdered and they blamed it on her. And her story yesterday was interesting because I'd never heard it before was that they just kept badgering her and badgering her and badgering her into convincing herself that she just forgot. She forgot what she had done. You just forgot. Just keep thinking. You'll remember. You'll remember. So after about 55 hours of pummeling her, she finally remembered, well, um, maybe I did do something. Well, then she had time to recover and think about it. And then she wrote them a letter. It said, no, wait a minute. I recant what I say. You guys you coerced me into saying this. And apparently after a trial and over time, she was found not guilty. So now she's back in the U.S. But I found that quite interesting. And you hear that a lot, even in our justice system here, that even if somebody um, is found to have not done it, that law enforcement, which I don't understand why, because I back them 100%, um, they will coerce somebody into a false confession. 
which blows my mind. I think uh, police officers can get into a certain mindset where they've done the investigation and they've connected the dots and they think they've connected the dots correctly. So they also think that they're doing the right thing. People are going to lie. People are going to unintentionally uh, misspeak. That does happen. And so when the police think they caught the person in a lie, they try to exploit that. Um, Another thing that happens is if there's enough evidence that a person thinks that they will be found guilty, so let's just say it gets to the courtroom. We're not even talking about the police interrogation at this point. This is after it gets to the courtroom. They can do what's called an Alfred plea in some of these states that they can say, I can see how much evidence there is against me, and I can see why you would convict me. I am not guilty, but... I can see that you think that there's enough there to find me guilty. So they take this Alfred plea where they kind of reserve the right if they can, you know, get evidence later to prove their innocence to come back to it and say, here's, you know, this is my proof. So there's a long list of appeals and things that have to go on. But when they take an Alfred plea, they're they're saying, I didn't do it, but I can see how you think I did, and there's enough evidence to convict me, so let's save ourselves the trouble. I will not admit guilt. I'm just going to admit that you have enough evidence. Speaking of that, let's go to this young lady that was just found, I believe, in the mountains of Wyoming. Yes. I don't recall what her name was, but apparently she was a YouTube blogger, and her fiancé, I think. I've seen both. Fiance and boyfriend. Okay, boyfriend slash fiance is a potential suspect. Well, it's interesting how the FBI, what they've used to issue an arrest warrant was her credit cards. Apparently, he was using her credit cards unauthorized, and they're using that as the foundation to arrest him. Then they can interrogate and dive into whether he was the one that actually murdered her. Yeah, so it's just a way, if they can find evidence of other crimes, you don't want to bring a case forward too soon if you don't have enough evidence if or if they don't think they have enough evidence to find him guilty they want to keep looking so they'll hold off on that but they also don't want him to flee in the meantime which he clearly has right kind of reminds me of back in the day watching uh, television shows about the mafia and sometimes they knew they had committed murders they knew they had committed crimes but they couldn't prove it So they would just uh, get them on tax evasion charges and send them to prison for 20 years for not paying their taxes. Yep, that's one way that the government will get you. It's amazing the way they work. It's amazing that a lawyer or a human has a mind that they can think of all these different ways to, number one, part you from your money in the form of taxes, but then if you don't pay your taxes, find a way to part you from your family and send your butt to jail. Well, what's really funny about paying your taxes is that even when you do pay your fair share, they can still come after you, which happened to me. So in in 2016, uh, we decided, my husband and I, we decided to hire a nanny for our two kids. One was two. You make way too much money. We don't make as much as you think, but um, we, we decided to hire a nanny. And we um, paid her as an employee. We gave her a W-2. Uh, every two weeks, she got a paycheck, direct deposit. We withheld taxes. And depending on the type of tax, it could be paid monthly or quarterly. 
um, just depending on who it was for, where it was going. So different taxes have to be paid at different times. We contracted with Costco, uh, one of their programs that they have for their price to use another service that would help me calculate how much to withhold from each paycheck based on how much her hourly wage was. So I did that and I sent off all the money like clockwork. I was never late. I also filed all of the forms that would say, okay, this is this quarterly due or this is this monthly due. And then come to our, our taxes. We file our tax return. We do everything that we need. After the year of 2016, we didn't uh, employ her anymore. And I get a notice a couple of years later from California that says, you did not pay enough taxes. So you... Your fair share. <laughs> so you owe us this much. And they were maxing it out to how much I owed them plus a penalty. And so I sent them a notification. No, 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 no. I paid you. I had a service. I calculated it out. I calculated it out again. I paid you the right amount. And they're like, well, send us another quarterly document for your first quarter. So I sent it in. And they said, nope, you still owe us. And so I sent it in again thinking they didn't get it or there was something wrong. They still said, swore that we owed for the first quarter. And then my husband gets into an online chat with somebody and they figured out the problem. Um, I was sending in what was supposed to be quarter one, but there was an error on it and it said quarter two. Oh, my bad. So I changed it to quarter one, even though the first time I sent it in correctly, but because I was generating it later, it was putting the wrong quarter on there, which is what happened with the two subsequent documents. So I generated it correctly, sent it in. And they said, oh, you actually paid us too much. You overpaid what you owe. And then I never heard from them again. And they never paid. Never heard from them again. We're going to give you a refund <laughs> some year. Nope, never. I have not heard from them. So that kind of reminds me of an issue that uh, we had with our solar installation on our house here the last couple of months. So I'm a DIYer. Did my own roof with the help of my family. No cash paid. I put on a six kilowatt solar system, which is uh, making power now, and it's pretty awesome. So when I pulled my permit from the county, we used our address with drive at the end of our address. However, when you send the paperwork to PG&E, it did not say drive on the permit for the sign-off, and they would not accept my paperwork as a DIYer, an installer, or as a paperwork writer. So I got back with the county and said, hey, our local utility is not accepting your sign-off permit because you guys did not put drive on there. County says, sorry, sir, we do not put drive, lane, street, or avenue. Just the numbers and the street. So we then contacted PG&E and explained that to them, and they said, too bad, young man. Either remove drive or have the county do it. So my wife got back online, redid all nine pages, removed the drive off of there, and after two months, PG&E got back to us the next day and said, congratulations. Welcome to the world of solar here in Fresno. You are now making power. Nuts or what? Oh, absolutely. They create hurdles where there shouldn't be hurdles. 
And I, I did hear part of this story from Mark before where they said they never put drive, avenue, lane, anything on these permits. And it was the first kickback that they had heard of. So they are just creating hurdles to stop people from being able to use solar. And then now they're trying to add extra fees to people who use solar, despite the fact that the state has been pushing people to go to renewable energy and get solar. Now they want to penalize anyone who has done it. Yeah, and I overbuilt my system a little bit. When we did the calculation, we thought we based it off 100%, but I ended up going about 120% over what we normally use for the year. So PG&E was not happy with that. So they sent me a letter saying, hey, we're only going to pay you X for your overages because you went too far over. And I'm perfectly content with PG&E not paying me a dime just as long as my bill is zero at the end of the year, which I'm happy with because I paid for the system, not them. I got no discounts from PG&E because I actually work for a living. I make a decent wage, so I'm not a low-income earner, so I don't get any rights or benefits from them. So I'm perfectly content just as long as I have a zero bill. Our bill has been going up, so uh, we're looking at the possibility that we need more panels to offset from one year to the next. We didn't overuse um, in any regard. They just raised their rates. But then their, their rates, when you produce more, are less. So even if you make up for what you consume and what you put in, you'll owe because they pay you less for your electricity than they charge you. Yeah, the NIMS program is what it's called. When you read that, you really have to be an attorney to understand uh, the 20 pages of what you pay for, what the rates are. They made us go to a different tier structure. Um, so now uh, we do not do not use much power between the hours of 5 and 9, Monday through Friday, and 5 to 9 on the weekends. It's supposed to be at a lower rate. Um, now they're trying to change the whole policy so new solar owners will only get 30 to 50% credit on their solar system, and they'll have to pay the utility the remainder. I think everybody should go 100% solar. PG&E should figure out how they're going to maintain their transmission lines. And if you remove 50% of the people in California or in the PG&E sector off of the grid, then they don't need that much money. To me, it seems like it might be all about their retirements and their pensions and the corporate bonuses more than the solar and maintaining the grid. Well, they have to have a way to pay those bonuses. Even though they tell us they don't have enough money to maintain the lines, they shut down power. They have rolling blackouts if it's too windy in certain areas because that's what caused the Paradise Fire, which they were found guilty of, um, liable for. But then Newsom hired a team of lawyers from New York to craft a special law to, to help out PG&E, but that's a, a side point. So they are saying they cannot maintain the lines, that they don't have enough money to maintain the lines. They need a rate increase in order to do so, but somehow they pay out dividends and bonuses. If you have enough money for dividends and bonuses, you have enough money to start working on the lines. You might not be able to get them all done in a year, but you can start. Oh, absolutely they can start. And From what I understand, I think SoCal Edison, which they're northernmost point is just outside of fresno county all the way down to san diego i believe or right before san diego 
they haven't had a rate increase from what I understand in like 15 years, 20 years. So it used to be under SoCal Edison and their rates were very affordable and we could maintain a low power usage. We were not super users. And even with PG&E having quite a number of panels on our house to try and make up for the the usage that we have, we still end up having to pay PG&E. And our gas bills are outrageous. They are outrageous. They And they even want to have a change to the minimum delivery for people who have solar, which we've all been told to go to. They want to raise it from a $10 fee which is your minimum delivery, you you have to pay for the privilege to be hooked up to PG&E, and that costs 10-ish dollars. It, it changes every month, but it's about $10. And they want to raise it to $50 to $80 a month. And, that, that, and you still have to pay for whatever electricity. And that's interesting because if you build a system for your house that you can provide 100% power and want to go off-grid, uh, the utility company and the county or city you're in say, no, 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 no. You can't go off grid. You have to stay on grid if you're within city or county limits, which is not right. Yeah. So they're making sure that you will always pay them. You will always have to pay them no matter what you do, no matter what kind of service they provide either. They're not very nice people. They're taking all of our money. Mm. They work with the politicians. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. They create the problem. Then they say they're the ones that can fix it. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and continue with talking about our wonderful government and all of the bills they pass, creating new offices, creating new oversight committees, creating new departments, Republican and Democrat alike. Every program is an expansion of the government, a new overseer, new taxes, That's how it's going to be paid for. We're going to tax the rich, even though we aren't taxing the rich enough now to pay for things. We're going to create new offices, which are going to cost more money, and we're just going to tax the same people, the rich, them, they, whoever they are. The government always takes more. They don't take less. And when we do get a tax cut, oh, no, we can't possibly give you any of your money back or or not take as much as we want, we have to pay for more stuff. I'm willing to pay my fair share as long as my fair share isn't 100% of my income. 10%, 15%, 20%. I can handle that. And I think wealthy people, I don't know what the definition of wealthy is because if you have your health, then you're wealthy. I'm sure they already paid their fair share because I think they've dove into this many a times. The last election cycle when they were talking about Trump and how wealthy he was, I believe they do pay a bulk of the taxes. I think they pay like 70% or 75% of all taxes that go into the treasury here in the U.S. These uh, SOBs are just greedy. They want 100% of our money. They want to treat us like little slaves, which we basically are enslaved. That's what taxes are because don't pay your taxes. I don't know if your house is paid off, but if it is, don't pay your property tax. Don't take care of your tax liability. And if you have a $500,000 home, you owe $100, they'll come take your home. Absolutely. They will. No qualms about it. Oh, you didn't pay your fair share. We're going to keep taxing you on, on everything. It is never enough. It will never be enough. 
they will always take more. And then you have people, again, pay their fair share. How many times do we hear that paraded about AOC goes to the Met Gala with her uh, invitation? She borrows a dress. Apparently, she did not uh, keep it. So this designer makes a dress, makes a tax-the-rich dress. She goes to the Met Gala where tables are hundreds of thousands of dollars. It is tens of thousands of dollars just for a single ticket. I've heard between thirty and $45,000. One number that was thrown around for her was $35,000 for her ticket, which she did not pay for. It was a gift for her to come to the Met Gala. Um, with her tax the rich dress so she is amongst the people that she wishes to tax millionaires potential billionaires and it turns out that the maker of the dress that she borrowed the millionaire maker of the dress hasn't been paying her taxes so she borrowed a dress from the very maker that doesn't pay her fair share They remind me of the global warming community, which don't you dare drive your car that's gas or your truck that's diesel while I fly halfway around the country or halfway around the world in my corporate jet that eats up about 15,000 pounds of fuel on that trip, drops all kind of pollution, but do as I say, not as I do. Always. Always. Oh, oh, don't worry. I planted some trees. I bought green credits. I expect you to cut down on what you use, but I am rich enough that I pay for somebody else to plant some trees for me. Yeah, carbon credits. What a joke. Yes. I see carbon credits on the invoices of new pickups and such. Well, yeah, we uh, can't give you the mileage standard on this truck, but we went ahead and bought 100 carbon credits for you, so you can drive from here to... The ice cream shop, get you an ice cream. That reminds me of a couple pictures I saw, I don't know, maybe six, eight years ago. It was two homes, roughly about the same size. I think one was about 6,000 square feet-ish or 6 to 12. The other one was about the same. One of them had solar. One of them had a small solar farm and had wind farm. And they were saying in the caption, okay, which home belongs to Al Gore? Which home? belongs to George Bush. Almost 100% of the people that looked at it said, oh, no, the uh, pro-green earth guy, it must be his home. It must be, uh, duh, I'm having a total brain lock here. Okay, so it was George Bush's okay. home was the eco, eco-friendly yeah. house, and Al Gore's was the energy-expending mansion, and it was uh, validated as true by Snopes, which is typically left-leaning, so I think if there was even an iota of misinformation in there they would have been all over it but it turns out that al gore has the energy consumption house cannot take care of itself is a super user of energy whereas george w bush had an eco-friendly home self-sustaining house yeah I found that very interesting. Yes, the person who is jet-setting around the country talking about how everybody else needs to fight climate change. Who's still jet-setting to this day and has not changed his habits in any way, shape, or form. And he's one of those millionaires and billionaires that goes out of his way to do what? Not pay taxes. Absolutely. So that's another thing. Climate change. Is climate change real? I think we can all 
okay, the vast majority of people would agree because there are some who do not believe climate change is real. But the vast majority of us can agree that climate change is real. But I do not believe that we have to agree that taxing people and taking away from them is the only thing that we can do. It's amazing. Oh, what's how do we fight climate change? More taxes. What are we going to do with the taxes? Line people's pockets. I'm sorry. Climate change is real. Has been real since the uh, dawn of time. And we'll use uh, Yosemite up in the uh, Sierras as case in point. There used to be a glacier up there called Glacier Point. It's now long since melted. It melted long before there was any type of human on the planet. Now there might have been a Neanderthal or two running around. So if that happened then... Yes, there's climate change. It's just not in the manner with which you think it is taxing people, taking away their rights, their cars, some of their homes. That's not the way to combat climate change. And we have things that we can do to manage our forests that we still don't do. We don't keep, you know, thinning, overgrown areas of the forest. When the bark beetle went and killed a bunch of the trees, They did not thin out the dead trees, and that was just basically a tinderbox ready to go. Just needed the correct spark, which can happen from a lightning strike. It doesn't all have to be human-based fire. It can be a lightning strike. And we don't manage the service roads either, so then our um, firefighters cannot get in and out trying to take care of these places. So then all they can do is airdrops. And they have to do their best. There's a current fire in the Sequoia National Forest, another fire that they can't even reach. They're having to air airdrop. That's the only only way they can get to it. It's on such a steep mountainside that the people can't get to it. And I understand that there's going to be that, that there's going to be areas that don't have roads that are unserviceable, but it doesn't mean that there's nothing we can do to take care of all the other areas. Yeah, I believe they wrapped up the uh, General Sherman tree with a fire blanket so uh, it doesn't get burnt. And then speaking of uh, Native American Indians and fires in the San Joaquin Valley, when there was fires up in the hills hundreds of years ago, when there were no firefighting devices, lightning strikes, or self-set by the Indians to backburn some of the brush, they used to call the Central Valley the Valley of the Smoke. And that's why, because they knew back then forest management but all our super intellects now who go get college degrees in fire science forest management can't seem to get it right no but if we pay more taxes maybe they'll get it right that time or the next time and if i take your car from you and don't let you drive it oh yes they all have to be electric vehicles is it 2030 in california they want all electric all electric no gas or diesel no new vehicles can be sold that are gas or diesel powered After 2030, they all have to be electric vehicles. Mind you, as we spoke about earlier, PG&E is limiting people on the amount of energy that they can consume. They're doing rolling blackouts because of weather and consumption. And they are threatening more rolling blackouts if more people do not reduce their consumption between 4 and 9 p.m. at night. At some are 5 and 8, 5 and 9. It just depends on which one you end up signing up for that they are going to have more blackouts because we are consuming too much, but somehow in the next nine years, 
we're going to get to a point where we can plug in electric vehicles and charge those in addition to all of the power we are already consuming, in addition to all of the new houses that are being built that are also going to be power consumers. It's because they want you to go solar hmm. oh, and then to charge, charge you your phone <laughs> and then, or your cars and then charge you more. And if you do get an electric vehicle, they get to raise your rates even more for your power consumption. If you get an electric vehicle, let's um, and you don't have solar, it's, it's do and don't have solar, just depends on what program you're in. But if you do not have solar and you charge an electric vehicle, they actually charge you a different base rate. And I believe it's the same even if you do have solar, there's like a little bit of play there depending on how much you're consuming. But having an electric vehicle raises your rates. Yeah, it's interesting because I did read that, setting our solar up at the home and going potential EV, later on EVs, electric vehicle. They actually want you to install a whole separate meter and it's a whole separate service, so they can monitor that. And you do get charged at a higher rate to charge your electric vehicle that they're forcing you to eventually buy. And the solar that they want you to put on your house, that they want to limit the amount of money that um, you can get back from your overages, if there is any. Um, it's just a, a confusing time for all of this stuff. Absolutely. Everything that they're encouraging us to do is actually something that they're going to charge us more for for doing in the end. Here we go. They create the problem. They come up with the fix. As long as the fix benefits them and not you. So let's talk about the swimming season then. Is it almost over here in Fresno for the year? The swimming season is almost over here. It's supposed to be 101 today, like 97 tomorrow. But because the temperature has been fluctuating outside over the last couple of weeks, the pool is not very warm. So it is pretty chilly to go swimming, and this seems to be the last possible weekend that we will be swimming. 101 and smoky, by the way. And smoky, yes. It is the fires, ash, air quality is terrible. Definitely have a hard time breathing. You can hear it in the in my kids. You can hear it in, you know, in me. Like I can feel the air quality or the air the fire particles outside, ash and other stuff, it just... Yeah, it gives me a pretty bad. good headache. I've had a headache for probably a week and a half now every day because of this dirty air. Smells we, like a campfire. Yes, and we put this special filtration on the house when we did the roof and the new air conditioner, and it's uh, nice and clean inside. But uh, as soon as you walk outside, boy, it's, it's smoky, and it just messes up your lungs and your sinuses. So let's talk about stories on different news organizations, or just a, a person who writes about their own personal story. So we have social media, we have all different kind of kinds of avenues that we can talk about our, our personal lives. In some ways that people do it are Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 140 characters or less. Sometimes people do stories where they attach a bunch of... Um, 140 character blurbs to each other and then you can get the whole story out that way but there and there are many other types of um, places that you can post and it used to be that people would post personal stories on Facebook pictures talk about their kids going to the park maybe a bad situation that happened to them or a medical dilemma that they've come across like oh do I have this surgery I'll be down for so many weeks and my kids won't have me and they're young should I do it they could go to their community for support and for the most part 
story stayed up. Now, if you talk about a medical situation or a bad outcome from something like the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine, not saying you shouldn't get it, but if you personally talk about your story and you're one of the, the you know, very limited number of people that have the severe reaction to it, as they say, it's uncharacteristic and not very many people have it, but it can happen. For instance, if you end up in the hospital with myocarditis, um, it tends to affect younger boys, late teens, early 20s. There have been a few documented cases of people having heart attacks or some sort of a heart failure with the vaccine, and they talk about it on social media. They are almost instantaneously vilified, and those statements are blocked or brought down. Sounds like communist censorship to me. And are those real people that are censoring that stuff, or do they just pick up algorithms from some kind of software program and they just wipe you off? So it's both. They, they try to filter through a lot of them, but then somebody else can report it. So if you are very pro-vaccine and you see something that even appears to be anti-vaccine or might hinder people from getting the vaccine, you can report it yourself, and then they'll take a look at it. Yeah, I just, there's another uh, YouTuber that I follow. I won't say his name, but he does a lot of fishing and hunting. And he uh, does a lot of videos with his girlfriend. He was talking yesterday on his YouTube channel about um, YouTube and how they're starting to demonetize a bunch of people because of uh, rule breaking and some of the simplistic things that he talked about. I cannot believe that YouTube would think of them as rule breaking. You know, it's uh, deer hunting saying you, you shoot a deer and you can see the deer fall down, but as long as you don't go up and show the arrow sticking through the deer, uh, you can still get your money. But if the arrow is stuck in the deer and you post that, they're going to demonetize you for that video and maybe go retro and take back money from a bunch of your other videos or just take your site down all altogether. This seems like this censorship's just starting to go to the extreme. I understand there's rules to follow, rules not to break, but who gets to determine the rules? The rich. Yeah, and, and how serious of rules do they break? Because we see people all the time, people being uh, wealthy people, senators, congressmen, they're getting in trouble all the time. I'm not saying 100% of them, but there's a small percentage that they're, rule, they're big-time rule breakers, and they're never held to account. There's always two sets of rules. It's what you will do, and it's what I do, and you don't worry about what I do. Yep. Good for thee, not for me. Yeah, it's very, very unfortunate that we've gotten to this place in society. But like I was talking to a young woman the other day, and that young woman was my wife. Has it always been like this? And it's just the fact that there's so much media out there now, so many outlets to post all this stuff, that you're seeing things that are being repeated over and over and over, when in actuality it's the same thing. And I've noticed that a lot with Facebook. Um, I will like something, like I'll see a co-worker's picture of, him or her and their family out having a good time at the beach and I'll like it and make a little comment. And then two weeks later, that same picture, and that same comment pops up. It's like, I know there's billions of people on Facebook, so they have to have enough information to not go back to the same thing for about 10 years, I would think. Yeah, I, I've had that happen too if I like someone's post or comment on someone's post. It seems like every time I actually go onto Facebook, it just shows me that post again or or just that person. It's like, how do, how is it I have hundreds of friends? And then I start to realize I haven't seen 
certain people on there. So I wonder if they've gone off of Facebook and I'll look. Nope, they've been posting daily and Facebook has hidden that person from me or they're, I know some people, they call it shadow banning where they don't tell you that that your information's not being published to your friends anymore. They just quietly don't show it. I think there's been several lawsuits by congressmen over that in different states because they're selectively blocking things that by all rights shouldn't, especially since we do have a First Amendment. And I think even though these companies are, or these sites are owned by private companies, they should not be allowed to um, tether your or make your post disappear just because it's something they don't like to see or hear. And it's like they always say, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. If you don't want to see it, don't watch it. Everybody should have this platform or this forum to speak freely within reason, lawfully, so we can all scuttle and talk back and forth. Yeah, and if you look, some people will say, well, if you don't like their rules, then go somewhere else where you like their rules. One example being Parler. People started jumping to Parler because they wanted more of a freedom of speech. Parler said it was going to be a free speech zone. So as soon as people started jumping to Parler, it was no longer oh, go to somewhere where you like, then they tried to take down Parler. So the company that was doing business with Parler to house their servers then said, we're no longer going to let you buy space on our servers. And so then they were taken down. And other companies that attempted to do just that, freedom of speech, they were taken down in much the same manner. They go after the companies that do business with them And so now it's, oh, you have to own your own server farms. You have to own your own security company. In some cases, banks were saying they weren't going to allow the companies to do business with those banks. And those typically on the left are citing, well, they have freedoms too. If you want to have freedoms, they have freedoms. They don't have to do business with you in society. But when you try to move on or move around or or go with your own freedom of speech, they will also shut you down. Well, and I think that the people that the Democrats are talking about, that they have the right to do business or not do business with you, that's the very ones that are helping them set up the society right now and censoring stuff. So, And that's the millionaires and billionaires, so I wonder how they're going to handle that conflict with wanting to raise their taxes while asking them to not allow certain people to say certain things on their sites. This has been a podcast produced and edited by the Dirt Sailor Duo. Mark and Shannon are a father-daughter team who both served in the United States Navy. This production is protected by copyright laws. Until next time, anchors away.